0: I talked about this a couple weeks ago when we had Bill Lentz on the show. I have been so excited about these next eight episodes for honestly the last 12 months. Now, almost 12 months ago to the day... Grant Falco and I were on an airplane together and we dove headfirst into the eight departments that are necessary to run a winning hearth business. And as we finish out season four, I feel like the timing could not be better to dive into every single one of these departments week after week and give you the playbook that Grant and I have used to grow the businesses that we've been a part of. And department number one is leadership. So in today's conversation, Grant and I are going to go through five specific tools that you can use to create a leadership department in your business. Now, one thing I'll mention is that These principles apply no matter what size your company is. So whether you're a mom and pop outfit with three total employees or you work for a manufacturer where you have hundreds of team members, it doesn't matter. You have to be doing these things. So here's the five tools that we're going to cover as an overview. Number one is goal setting. We're going to dive into the specifics of that. Next is a leader's dashboard. When you're driving a car, you need gauges to understand how the car is performing. Number three, one-on-one coaching with all of your direct reports. Number four, effective communication with your team members at large. And number five, having regular team scoreboards. If you can implement these five pieces, you're going to find that you have a business that sets you apart from all of your competition because generally speaking, this isn't being done. One thing I'll mention too is that as we dive into this, we're going to get really specific and me and Grant are just laying down our cards and showing you this is what we have used to have success in the past. But there's going to be questions with this. So if you have questions about the content in this episode, I'd love it if you emailed me. Now my email address is tim at itsfiretime.com. That's tim at itsfiretime.com. If you get that to me, either myself or Grant can answer that in a future episode of the podcast. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I know that the content in here can radically help your business, and we'll circle back at the end to talk about it. Joining me from Spokane, Washington, is return guest to the show, Grant Falco. Grant, I don't even need to introduce you anymore. You've been on the show so much. How you doing today, man? I'm doing really good, Tim. Happy to be here again, of course. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to give a little bit of context to this because... A number of months ago, we were on an airplane together flying to Minneapolis, and I feel like every time me and you can sit next to each other on an airplane, dude, it's like time stops, and I am amazed at how much we can get done. I mean, I, like,
1: I have been amazed too, Tim, that, that we have maximized those few hours that we've been on planes. I think 90% of anything we've come up with together has been done on plane rides.
0: Seriously, yeah. So I remember, so we're flying to Minneapolis, so we have like four hours together, And no cell phones, no distractions, no nothing. We just had a notebook. And we sat down to talk about if if we were going to communicate to someone in the industry how to build their business in a way that is robust and can get long term results how do they do it? And, and what we did is we ended up breaking things down into eight different departments of a fireplace company. And I'm really excited for these next eight episodes to go through all of them. But this first one is leadership. And I remember on this plane ride, not only did we get through the eight departments, but we started throwing out what are the tools that we use in each of these departments. And I'm, I'm looking at my list here, man. We have like literally 55 tools and we're, we're, we're kind of cutting the fat away. And we are going to give you guys five tools for each of these departments that if you can put these things into place, it is going to set you up
1: long-term to be able to grow your business. And and we have to start with leadership, right? I think so, Tim. And the cool part about the five tools that we kind of decided to land on are that these five tools can be applied no matter where you're at in your business. We're going to be a lot of different people that are listening to this are in different points in their leadership phase or the success of their business or even how long they've been in their business. You know, this this these five tools can be utilized if it's three or four people in your store that are making this work and they can be utilized if there's 15, 20 and 25 people. Different variations of each, but 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 these five tools can be used by by someone starting up their hard shop today, or someone taking over uh, as a, as in my case a family business, and can kind of start when they when they do that.
0: Absolutely, and, and I think really like I got to give you credit here that these eight departments. I didn't have a lot to add. Like, this is really what you've done, you know? So people are going to listen to this and like, well, I'm not Grant Falco. Like, you know, you've got it figured out. I think the truth is like, look, like we're all still on the journey, but man, you have figured some things out with this. So
1: yeah, and it it, it comes, sorry to interrupt you. No, you're fine. It comes from where we started. And I think a lot of these tools are, are really speak to how we started. We've gotten to a certain point, but man, without a few of these tools, we wouldn't have gotten to that point.
0: Yes, absolutely. Okay, so with that in mind, let's just jump right in. So the first department that you need to be thinking about in your business is leadership. And the reason that we call this a department is because long-term, that's what you want to grow it into. Now, listening to this, like you said, Grant... The person listening might have three people in the company, right? Maybe they're family members. Maybe it's a husband or a wife. Maybe you've got 10, 20. Maybe you're, you're a big company that has 50 or 100 team members. But whatever it is, leadership is the starting point. And I'm excited to go through these five things because if you have these, your business is going to be set up the right way. So – Number one, if you want to grow a leadership department, even if it's just you starting out and you're thinking long term, number
1: one, you have to think about goals. Isn't that right? Oh, so true. And so much more difficult than you actually think it is, right?
0: <laughs> totally, totally.
1: So when you when you talk about goals, you know, goals are obvious. When you when you listen to leadership podcasts or tutorials, it it it's all about goals. And if if you have nothing to aim at. You'll hit it every time. And we try to talk about that quite a bit. But in our uh, experience, they're incredibly hard to set. And, and a few of the difficulties that you run into is there's a lot of different goals you can have. And you have to narrow these goals down. Uh, but one thing we've learned is to really develop uh, our goals by writing them down and keeping them consistently in the forefront of our minds. Yeah. And so we go off the SMART principle, which you're probably familiar with. Uh, they need to be goals that are specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. Amazing. Yeah, that's
0: so good. And, and I think it, it sounds so simple, but a lot of companies don't have clear goals. And we'll get to this in a minute, how, how it affects other team members. But number one, if you want to win, you got to set goals. You got to say, where do we want to go? Seth Godin talks about how a leader's job is to decide which mountain are we going to go climb, and then the manager's job is to say, okay, this is the direction we're going. How are we going to clear the debris to get there, right? Both functions are super important. Like, we are not underscoring managers. They're desperately needed, but it starts with leadership, because Peter Drucker talks about there's nothing worse than doing the wrong things well. That's terrible, right? And if you're not aimed in the right direction, it's not going to be good. So... For me, really practically, I believe, I like things really simple, and I believe in goals and priorities. So, like, I think that you could have a priority saying, We want to become a business that is known everywhere for amazing customer service. That's an amazing priority, but that's not a goal. So, with that priority, we could come up with a goal that says, we're going to get 250 Google reviews this year, and then from there, you can bake it down to your different departments of, if we're trying to get 250 Google reviews, what does this department need to do? What do these need to do? But it's based on that goal that was set based on the vision or the priority, priority. that you had
1: as a leader. I think that's the result really... you're looking for. Yeah. The goal necessarily isn't the result you're looking for. It's what's going to get you to that result. And I think that, you know, the way you explained it, having a priority and our goal is there to get it, I think has been a lot of our struggle in figuring out our goals within each department and our company.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to goal setting, I'm just going to talk really practically. So for me, I spend a decent amount of time with my goals throughout the year. So like every week, I plan my weeks out. And as a part of that, I'm thinking about, Am I doing things this week that will move me toward my goals? And I'm often checking back on my yearly goals or my quarterly goals on a weekly basis just to see am I am I in the right direction or is a goal that I set 6 months ago not relevant anymore? Like don't be afraid to change your goals if you find out that you're going in the wrong direction. So I think that's really important like you said Grant to be revisiting them, but goals also have to be measurable. If you if you can't say I want this done by this time, then it's really easy for nothing to happen because there's no sense of urgency. And then I think, lastly, is is you can't have too many. It's yeah. it's really easy to want to have 50 goals and man, it, you just can't do it I think it's really important I mean I'm not going to give you a number but like in my head three five man if you're gonna have 10 probably break them up by quarter don't you know 10 is tough it, it, it's really tough to keep your mind on that many things but what I've found is if, if as a leader at the top if you've got a big enough goal there are probably sub goals within that that your different department leaders can set and go after but I think as a leader you can't have a divided mind.
1: Oh, and I think you can't be all things to all people. And one of the biggest things once we started to set goals in each department was I had a few departments that wanted to make wanted to put together way too many goals. And it's not that all those goals weren't important, Tim. It was that we couldn't make them all important if we focused on all of them. And, you know, in leadership, as you progress in leadership, there's, you know, I've heard that sometimes you have to let that fire burn. And with your goals, you got to focus on what's most important. You know, as we travel on the airplane, we write down all our, our list of, of tools and stuff. I would suggest to do the same thing with your goals in your department or your company and saying, what are, what are five to 10 goals that we can just quickly come up with? And then narrow them down to what the most important ones are for you and focus on those. It doesn't mean the other ones aren't important. That's right. It just means that you're putting the focal point and the focus on that so you complete it.
0: Yes, dude, that's awesome. So I think number one, if you are a leader or building a leadership department, you have to start with goals. Goals are vision. It's direction. Where are we going? If we don't know where we're going, should anybody get on our bus? The answer is no. And if they're on the bus and find out you don't know where you're going, guess what? They're going to get off.
1: Number 100. 100%. One more thing on on goals. Uh, With goals, it's expectations. With your employees and with the people that work for you or if you work for a company, everybody wants to know the direction, wants to know what the expectations are so that we all know how to get there. And goals are the first step in setting up expectations. Yes. Oh, dude, that's so good. I should
0: have connected that. I, yeah, you're right. Expectations and goals absolutely go hand in hand. And I, and we'll we'll get to that in a little bit with an end yeah. around here. Yeah. Okay. So, so number one is goals. Number two, if we're going to build out a leadership department or us ourselves are going to become the leaders that we want to be for our companies, we got to have a leader's dashboard. And Grant, I know this is something that you do extremely well. So if you're a leader and you've got these goals of here's where we want to go, here's how we want to get there, A dashboard is what you need to be looking at to say, is it working? Are we going in the right direction, right? In a car, man, having a speedometer is pretty helpful. Having a gas gauge is pretty helpful. But how many companies are there out there that are just flying by the seat of their pants without goals, without a dashboard, and guess what? They're running on empty. They don't have enough cash. They don't have enough resources, and it ends up biting them.
1: Yeah. And I think dashboard or uh, some type of report is another way we can refer to it. I think there's many different variations of a dashboard. Even between you and I, we have some different ways of, of reporting yeah. that stuff. You know, I'd like to speak to the people that are, are listening to this and saying, how do I start? And, and how do I even get this going? And a lot of retailers in the, that are going to be listening to this, we're, we're all in the hearth business or more, majority of us and maybe in the barbecue business a little bit and maybe some other things as well. Uh, we started at Falco's maybe eight or nine years ago just a simple heartbeat report. And it ended up being our dashboard uh, on a weekly basis. We set it up with weekly meetings, which kept it consistent. We can speak to to more of that. But the dashboard was just simple things like total units sold and what units were they, gas, wood, or pellet? Uh, What was the weather like? What was marketing like? What was our installation revenue? How many installs out were we? And how many weeks does that equate to with how many crews? How many services are we out? I, I, I what is our inventory currently at? Just a metric to kind of always know where we were at and how we started it. Tim was we just once we had a year's worth of data, we all of a sudden had an intentional mind of beating last year's the same week. Yeah, and 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 that was how we started. Now it's turned into so many different things because of the weekly meetings along with this dashboard. And it's morphed into more than that. But man, what a simple way to start. And we still use this heartbeat report uh, on a biweekly basis to review with our leadership team to keep us in the know.
0: Yeah, dude, that's amazing. I've seen that report. And it's just incredible what you have on it, because it gives you knowledge to find out like, man, things are good. Why are they good? Is it something that we're doing? Or is it just you know, a, a random spell of luck or good fortune that we just need to ride out. Are things bad? Why is it? You can
1: start to identify exactly. that. Exactly. Like, for example, this morning we had a leadership meeting, and last year we had 79 services on the schedule. This year we had 47. Well, why we need to look at it i mean it 's all weather related, which a lot of service is, but at least we know why, and we know now we're on we 're not doing cold calls, but we 're doing warm calls to push our season to keep to to get those services back almost instantaneous, not necessarily in a lead measure but more of a lag measure, but a pretty quick lag measure to understand, hey, we need to react to this, and we need to push for business versus the weather dictating it
0: well and it 's amazing that because you 're doing that on a week to week basis you 're not waiting. A month or a quarter to say man what happened to service you're waiting a week and you're saying okay let's hit the phones right next week how do we do do we need to keep hitting the phones do we need to offer a promotion like you're making totally. those decisions quickly because of your leader's dashboard
1: we made a digital marketing campaign keyword ad, ad campaign spent five hundred dollars to get that generated we've got warm calls going on and and the thing is tim like uh It 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 is too late if you learn it on a monthly basis, and I'll tell you, even when you learn it on a weekly basis, it's still difficult to get going. Which tells you if you're not kind of updating that in your mind on a weekly basis and getting yourself familiar and understanding that that man, it could take you two months to respond to something when it should take you a week or Or longer. I
0: I think there's a lot of businesses that go a year and say, "What happened to service?" or they go a quarter, "What happened to service?" Man, like. You're, by doing it on a weekly basis like that, you're able to make quick adjustments and ultimately win. You know, I, I think yep. about things on, on, on my leader's dashboard that are really important to me. So I track revenue by salesperson. How many units did they sell? What's their unit dollar average, UDA? HHT is just a great company at, at that UDA metric, and it's really important. Like, what's our average ticket sale, right? Um you know, what was our foot traffic? We, we look at that. So we break our foot traffic down not only by how many people came into the store, but what kinds of products did they look at? What's our quote percentage? Are we, are we quoting customers at an acceptable rate for how they're coming in or are we falling behind? Either way, once you've set goals, it is critical that a leader has this dashboard. And, and Grant, for you, you have a leadership team, so this is a dashboard that's shared with your leadership team. Depending on your business, this dashboard may not be for everybody. It might just be for you, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you've got margin or cost or different things that are proprietary knowledge, you know I'm not going to tell you how to run your business, but at least you as a leader and at some point the people that are on your leadership team need to have a dashboard to be able to tell how the gauges on their car are going.
1: 100%. And as it develops, you might keep the heartbeat report or your initial dashboard. That's more of an overall dashboard. But what I would hope and what you should hope for is to create a dashboard per department long term. Yeah, there you go. Like what you're talking about is a lot of sales. Um, I, I mean, when I think about a dashboard for even service, uh, you could get to the point where you could record your revenue per week, how many hours your service technicians are working per week. Therefore, you have an average of, of working service per hour and working uh, dollars per service, each individual service. So there's, there's a, a way you can kind of start with an overall but then have a dashboard per each department.
0: Oh, so good. I'm going to stop you there because you're starting to get into tool number five. And I want to hit number three and four first to set this up. Yep. Okay. So tool number one, goal setting. Number two, you got to have a leader's dashboard. Tool number three, if you want to grow yourself as a leader or your leadership department is one-on-one coaching. And I cannot stress how important this is and I cannot emphasize how little it happens in our industry. But if you call yourself a leader, that means that there are people following you. I've heard it said that if you are a leader who no one follows, you're actually not a leader, you're just going for a walk. you know you got to have people following you. And to do that, one-on-one coaching is critical. So I'll, I'll jump in and speak for me. So with my direct reports, I have a once a month, standing meeting that we try to do outside of the office for an hour. We'll grab a cup of coffee, grab lunch, whatever it is. And that is one-on-one focus time. And I kind of have an agenda of consistent questions that I like to go through. You know, how are things going in your personal life? How are things going at work? Are there any things that are frustrating going on at work where I can remove a roadblock for you? You know, we talk about this and and I don't keep it like totally formulaic. It's just just a guide for a conversation. But, I found personally that, that that investment one-on-one for an hour once a month is so valuable both for me and for them. I know for me growing up in the different jobs I've had, I I have never had a situation where a boss has routinely taken me out personally to talk about how they can help me in my personal life and in my job. And this is something that can buy you extreme loyalty and Making an investment like this is hard because there's always more urgent things to do than leave the office for an hour, turn your phone off, and just be focused on a team member. But it is so important and it actually buys you loyalty where down the road if a job opportunity comes up, if they're thinking about moving to a different industry, whatever it is, you're probably going to find out about it before they make a decision because they trust you and you actually get to be a counselor or an advisor to them. To make these decisions, I'm, I'm kind of going off on this grant because it's so important to me. But what what do you think about one on one coaching? What's that look like to you?
1: It's something that you know since our, our relationship for three or four years now has developed that you've uh, you've you've talked to me quite a bit about. And I'll I'll be honest, uh, when we met uh, three or four years ago, I just didn't have, I didn't I didn't feel like I had time. I was maybe a little bit scared to do it, like opening up Pandora's box and not knowing where I would get with it. Uh, I, I was intimidated by a meeting once a month. Um, so those were all just the roadblocks. So yeah. I kind of went about it a little bit differently. Um, once I realized the value, and Tim, there is so much value in one-on-one coaching. Every time I do it, I'm reluctant to do it. I come out of it and I'm like, I need to do that more. I have to do that more. And if I could just record the face of my employees when they leave, it it, it is a kind of a shocked face and a surprised face because – They're just not used to an employer asking them about the other things going on. And if if we're lying to ourselves and we don't think their work performance is dictated by some of their personal issues, I mean, come on. uh, It's definitely – so they are looking for a guide. They are looking for someone to help them through the navigation of life. I'm not saying that you have to provide that, but if there's little things that you can do to help with that, you give them a different purpose to work for you. Yeah. So what we did, Tim was I kind of tried to, to do it in one or two uh, meetings uh, on a yearly basis, but then have an accountability to it. There you go. So we, we have a a find your fire meeting uh, in, in February and March of every year, kind of to round out the season. And then in August of every year to kind of kick off the season. And, uh, and really, it's just about them. It's about what's going on in their life. It's about setting individual goals, whether they're personal or professional, and me being someone that is going to work with them on getting there. And yeah. it's been an amazing tool, and, and you can use it for a number of different things. So like for me, it was some people, like you said, Tim have aspirations to not work at Falco's forever. And one of my service technicians wants to go to flight school. We are working with him right now. He's going to go to flight school and we're working with him all the way up until that point. And it's been a navigatable situation. He's going to train the new service tech that's come in, but that all birthed from the find your fire meeting. And, uh, and of course there's other professional goals and things we can work on, but it's created a bond between me and my employees that we didn't have on a personal yeah. level. And there's accountability check-ins on a monthly basis. So they're not full meetings, but whatever our goals are, whatever we're trying to work on together as a partner, um, we're, we're accountable to. And it's, it's been amazing to see what it's done for us.
0: We'll get back to our conversation on leadership in just a minute. Hey, if you guys have been listening to the podcast this season, you know that I've been talking about how important it is that you take control of your customer experience with Wi-Fi. Now, rather than hear me talk about it this week, I'm going to share a comment from my friend Peter Parsons out of Cornerbrook, Newfoundland. So Peter's been using Wi-Fi for a little while, and recently he had this comment to say about it. Peter says, wi Fire has been the single best tool I've ever used over the course of nearly two decades in the business. My customers can get quotes, schedule an appointment, apply for financing, and not one person on my staff has to lift a finger. Oh, and wi Fire follows up with the customers for me well peter you're the man and it's awesome to see wi-fi helping your business grow and for anybody listening to this if you are looking for ways to connect with customers now that the sales pipeline has been dried up it starts with taking control of your online presence and that's exactly where wi-fi comes in wi-fi is something that partners with your website to do exactly what peter said generate instant customized estimates schedule appointments and follow up with every single customer. Now for the last little while, Wi-Fi has been developed exclusively for customers who interact with your website. But coming up in the near future, we are launching a version of Wi-Fi that is specific for use in the showroom. And I'm telling you, this is an absolute, absolute game changer. So if you want to take control of your digital experience and your sales process in the showroom, you need to go to wifire.com and sign up today. That's W-H-Y-F-I-R-E dot com. Yeah, I I think a lot about this. So the first team member that I ever had was about probably a year, year and a half into my time at Fireside. And I had built up the retail department where it was too much for me to personally handle because I got hired as just a... You know, I was technically a manager, but I had no one to manage, so I had to be I had to be a salesperson. And so we brought in this guy, he worked for us for about three years and not the stereotypical salesperson that you would imagine, but like super genuine, honest, quiet, like high integrity, hard worker kind of person. And, and so I was kind of working with him and he was helping me with some administrative things and then eventually he started doing some sales. And through our one-on-one meetings, I found out that one of his life dreams was to go to Japan. He was fascinated by Japanese culture. He loved anime and he wanted to take a trip to Japan. So in a reoccurring theme in our one-on-one coaching sessions was how are you doing? How much money do you need to save? How are you doing in that goal? Have you gotten there? And it was just it was amazing to be able to help work with him To get to that point, now, probably two and a half years into his time at Fireside, he let me know, "Hey Tim, I've been thinking a lot about going into computer programming. I'm a huge gamer. I'm really good with code, and there's an internship program that's available, and I'd really like to take it." So we were able to talk through this together, and I said, "Dude, yeah, you got to do this, man. Like, it's a it's a hard program to get into. Like, apply, see if you get into it." He got into it. And he worked part time for us while he was in this internship program and then at the end of it he got hired and he left the company to go do computer programming and that's what he's doing now. And I can't tell you how much better it was for us to be a part of that decision-making process with him rather than to get blindsided by him one day saying, hey, I'm leaving, I got this job as a computer programmer, right? We had a runway exactly. of like four to six months to, to talk about this, and we left on just amazing terms. And the coolest thing is we still get together, it's probably you know once or twice a year now for a beer just to talk shop, but the last time we got together he had just gotten back from his Japan trip. And we just talked about like so awesome that he'd been able to save his money. I mean, this is like going back five years. He had this dream. He saved his money. He did it. He went to Japan. And I can't tell you how often things like that are going to happen when you open up to your team members
1: and invest in them. Tim, I couldn't agree more. And and a part of me was a little bit scared to want to invest in their life because maybe their life is beyond Falco's. But what I found was... That the more I was willing to invest in them, the more willing to stay, I would say, is there something greater than Falcos? What do we want to do when we first started these? And, uh, and, and there, there may be, but when, you, when you're looking out for that person, when, you're, when you're, your, your subject of your meeting is to help them on the path of success, whether it's with your company or in life, uh, man, you, get, you create some loyal. Ambassadors of your company, and man, they're not going to go anywhere because this is what they want. They want to be taken care of.
0: Yes, and ultimately, dude, it's not about money.
1: I mean, sure, like
0: you want to be in a ballpark of a livable wage, but like, dude, me and you have both said no to opportunities that have a lot of money involved, and like, it's it's not about money, man. It's it's
1: it's the excuse they use. Yes. That's and, right. And, and, and if, if there are any managers, leaders listening, and I'm just going to tell you this, I had three installers quit on me before my season last year. I did not blame one person except for myself. Mm. And, and internally focusing on myself and trying to solve that problem, we learned and grew so much more in this year and went from having three crews last year and losing all three leads to four crews with four leaders this year. And I believe that if you do blame other people if you blame millennials if you blame this you're not going to get to the solution no. uh, i i truly believe when i uh, listened to what they had to say and the reason they were leaving the p- i could have paid them more money and got them to stay but the reasons they were leaving and and uh, that they gave me weren't the money was not going to solve those problems we were yeah. going to run into the same issues so yeah. uh, i couldn't agree more
0: yeah that's awesome man so for anybody listening you know don't feel Uh, weight on your shoulders if I have to jump into this right away, once a month meetings, once a week meetings, but just start somewhere, right? Sit down with a team member, just ask them, how are you doing? How can I help you? And at the end of it, just say, hey, can we get together again? Maybe in two months, maybe in three months, start slow. But man, I'm telling you, like you as a leader of a company You are like a spring of water, and your team members are like plants. Are you going to let them either A, dry up, or B, get filled up by someone else, or are you going to be the one that pours life into them? That's the question you got to answer. Okay, we're on to number four now. So we've talked about goals. We've talked about a leader's dashboard, one-on-one coaching. Tool number four is this, Communication. This is so big. And Grant, you alluded to expectations earlier, and I think that that's probably tied in with communication. That 100%. Yeah, if you're going to be a leader or if you're going to grow a leadership department, dude, you communication is like number one. You have to be able to communicate vision. You have to be able to communicate your why, and you have to communicate again and again and again and again <laughs> the same thing over and over. And it is just like parenting, isn't it?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still in my early years of parenting, but yeah, I, I think that the correlations are pretty direct. Uh, you know, Tim, when it comes down to communication, it's just so hard because communication is such a, a term that is thrown around that is, yeah, it's easy to say you have to be better to communicate. One thing that I will say that was like changed who I am and who I am as a communicator is an experience you've heard of a few different times. But in leading a team, if you don't have a why – And if you don't know what you expect, your your employees are never going to know what to expect or how to achieve those expectations. So I think communication is so tied to expectations. If you're listening to this, think about it right now. Pick one person out in your staff and say, do I know exactly what I expect from them on a daily, weekly, monthly, or yearly basis? And if you don't know, you got to figure it out. Because you can communicate, blah, blah, blah. But if you don't understand, they don't understand your expectations and you don't understand your expectations, the communication is all over. It's, it's pointed in a million different directions and you're never going to get anything done because of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right. Expectations goes hand in hand with communication. So if you spend all this time on goal setting, you've got these places that you want to go. You've got a dashboard that you're working on to tell you if you're winning or losing that that is going to result in you having expectations of departments or of team members right maybe you don't have an installation department maybe you've got one installer and one helper well if you've got a revenue goal for installer if you've got a goal of i want to get 250 google reviews this year that goal will create expectations so therefore i expect our installers will do this on site i expect that this will happen and if you don't communicate those expectations super, super clearly. And I would advise writing them down, talking about them in every one of your one-on-one meetings again and again, talk about those expectations. Team members will not buy in and that's going to lead to all kinds of frustration and headache because you expect something, but you haven't communicated it to them. And that's just a bad situation.
1: Yeah. We, we talk uh, about communication we talk about our communication quite a bit. Obviously it's vital to leadership, and it's vital to leading a team. Uh, I think uh, we're scared to over communicate. And I think one of the messages that I want to get out there is that there's no such thing as over communicating. Over communicating is, is communicating a clear, concise message over and over again, which is exactly what you as a leader have to do. A leader is a repeater. And you have to be there to pound that gavel to constantly keep your team moving in the right direction.
0: Absolutely. You know, I'm thinking about this, man. I was on a plane less than a week ago going out to see a dealer in the Midwest and work with them. And on this plane ride, there was horrible turbulence, like honestly, some of the worst turbulence that I've ever had. But what was so reassuring is that as the turbulence is going on, the captain gets on the speaker and he says, hey, I'm so sorry. It's really choppy right now. Don't worry. We just have some bumpy skies, about 10 to 15 minutes of this, and we're going to get to a smoother sailing area. Now." I, I can't tell you how reassuring that communication was in the midst of turbulence, right? If you have turbulence without communication, people start asking questions. What's going on? They start to panic. They start to freak out. You know, Chris Hogan says that no one likes change, but everybody likes improvement. And I think that as a oh. leader, man, you are always tweaking the engine. You're always changing things because you'll see what could be working better. You'll you'll see what where there's a fire, where something needs to be done differently. And I would argue that... Changing things in your company without communication equals headache, hassle, frustration, and people starting to separate themselves from leadership. Oh, they're just doing this again. Yeah, they think they know better than us, right? Change with communication equals improvement.
1: Tim, that is uh, outstanding. I haven't heard you say that before, and uh, you know I've talked about and. In- different presentations, I talk about change being necessary. And without change, you can't improve. But the intentionality behind uh, whether it's change or improvement comes back to communication and expectations. Uh, It can be an improvement and not viewed as a change when properly communicated and the expectations are met.
0: Yeah, dude. And I feel like you're so good at this because you've you've grown your company a lot and you've got these different team members that are in leadership roles now. But In your situation, you have become like the chief communication officer at Falco's, right? I mean, how many times have you had to repeat yourself? And this isn't negative, but like over and over and over and over and over before people really start to live it, breathe it, and live it.
1: You know, I think that's actually – you have to kind of believe in it even when you don't – know for sure that it's what you need to do. So communication for us has been a struggle. And I think it is for every company, um, for, for me as a leader and in, in getting these, uh, constant messages out. There's a number of different things you can do, but it comes down to consistently doing it. So yes. as a leader, depending on where you're at in your company, how are you consistently communicating to your team? And I'll just give you a few examples of how we've grown and where we've gotten to. We have standup meetings every day per department. We have weekly meetings per department once a week we have store meetings once a month and we also have a what's up wednesday that goes out every wednesday that says what products are coming in who's going to be gone what events are coming up things to watch out for and with all those things i still feel like we can communicate clearer (laughs) and better but but it has we have we started small and worked into those things but when you talk about culture of a business a culture that wins, a culture that is communicated, understands the why, knows expectations. We all look to build a culture. It comes down to these couple tools that we're talking about, truly.
0: And it's amazing how communication can instantly change a culture. When people are in the dark, man, they start to ask questions. They start to bicker. They start to gossip. They start to make accusations about you behind your back. When you communicate, it changes that. It's a conduit to reaching your team. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. you know, I'll tell a story here. And one of the things I think that's really important with communication is to know when to communicate. But since this is a leadership department conversation that we're having, when do you not communicate? And one of the things as a leader that you have to think about is when to not communicate. And I really believe in transparency, but I believe in transparency when it will help someone thrive and succeed in their role. As a leader, there are things that you know or that your leadership team knows that Other people in the company don't need to know, not because you're trying to hold anything from them, but because it will not help them thrive and succeed in their role. I'm going to tell a story here. So, a while ago, we had a tough year, and at the end of the year, there was not a lot of money for bonuses. And so, I was given the option of saying, There is this much money available for a bonus for your team. But Other people in the company that don't make as much as salespeople had a really tough year, and they don't have hardly anything for a bonus. So Tim, you can choose to give to your team, or if you want to, you can give this back to the main pot for other people in the company. So I made the decision that my team's bonuses would be cut in half, and that the rest of the money would go back to team members that didn't make as much as the sales folks. And what I did in addition to that is I said, please take out of my paycheck an equal contribution for what the entire sales team gave. We're all in this together. And that was that. So I mentioned to the team that bonuses were going to be smaller this year and they got their bonuses and that was that. Well, what happened is there were other members that had the same decision as me that did not use discretion. And so word got out to my team that I had given their bonuses away to other people. So I had multiple team members really mad at me, talking about me behind my back, saying, Tim's stealing from us. He's taking money out of our pocket. So what did I do? I set up one-on-ones with every single team member. And we talked about this. And I said, look, there are times as a leader when I can choose to share with transparency, and there are times with a leader where I will choose not to, when it is not going to help you thrive and do better in your role, and this is a discretionary call as a leader that I made, and I will stand by it. Now, it's super unfortunate that this leaked out and that you heard about it this way, but now that you know, I'm going to explain the decision. I just explained, you guys made great money, and there are other people in the company that don't have the same opportunities as you because of their pay scales, and I made the decision to cut your bonuses in half and contribute it to the rest of the people. And I asked that whatever the team lost, that that would be taken out of my paycheck as well to be sent to these people. And at the end of the day, a bonus is not your money. This is John Waterstrat's money that he is choosing to give you. And I am the arbiter of how that gets distributed. So this is not stealing. This is a blessing that I am choosing for you to bless other people. And you know, I just want to tell that story because... There are times as a leader when you need to communicate to the other people on your team, don't talk about this, right? This is a leadership decision that is not going to help other people in the company thrive and succeed in their roles. And I just I just want to tell that story because I don't want people to lose, like, communication doesn't mean that you forget about who needs to know what in a company, but I think there is a way to be open-handed with that, and like, in my case, when it did get leaked out. Like I just addressed it head on. I had an honest conversation and we just moved
1: on. I think that's a great story, Tim. And something that sparked in my mind when you were telling that story is for me in my position, I sometimes what you're saying is you can't communicate. So here I am on one side saying over-communicate, over-communicate, over-communicate. And I believe in that, the message and that kind of stuff and the why. But there are times as you progress as a leader that you have to take a step back and not communicate in order for growth to happen within your teams. Yes. And you'll find at different times and it's an insecurity. It's different than what you're talking about. But I think there is different variations of communicate and picking and choosing when you over-communicate your message, and then sometimes in a situation where you don't communicate to allow people to grow. Uh, I don't have any examples that I can think of off the top of my head, but I know that I, when I communicate too much, can end up micromanaging certain situations, and I have to step back from that and allow people, as hard as it is sometimes, to come up with their own ideas before I, I give them all my input so I skew their opinion, basically.
0: That's really good, Grant. Okay, number five. If you want to become a better leader, if you want to grow a leadership department in your company, there have to be team scoreboards. Grant, you are so good at this, and I want to hear you talk. Let's just talk conceptually about team scoreboards because you alluded to it earlier. right? As a leader, you've got a dashboard that gives you the big picture. That needs to be compiled into team scoreboards, even if that team is just one person.
1: Yeah. I mean, Tim, it's uh, one of the things when my dad, uh, so th- we are a family business and my dad uh, looked at me six years ago and said, okay, I'm, I'm going to hand you the reins. And uh, I was like, okay, accept these reins. And then I was like, okay, now what? Like, <laughs> What changes? Like I was still doing certain things in the business, but what am I supposed to do now that I'm the leader? And uh and it was really difficult. And I, I remember thinking, how do I know what people are doing? How do I know what their performance is? My dad would ask me, how's so-and-so doing? I'd say, uh, good. I think he's doing okay. <laughs> I mean, he was in a really good mood this morning. And so I haven't heard from him all day, out of sight, out of mind. Things must be going really good. And that, that's, I'm going to jump in. That's the old school mentality, right? It's like, well, it what is. did I eat for breakfast? Am I, am I in a good mood or a bad mood? That's how they're doing today. Totally. And, and that's fine. But I needed... I needed more. If you were looking at me as a leader and my expectations for myself were like, okay, well, I need to, I need a way to judge that. just really came down to that. Are you riding in the car as a passenger or are you driving the car? And I need to figure out how to judge that. So what's ironic, it started out with goals and then it developed into a dashboard or, or what we call as key performance indicators. But I really think it comes down to uh, the consistency of Going over that scoreboard, um, and, and you can get into kind of the scoreboard on a higher level, yeah, but but the scoreboard is ultimately accountability and performance.
0: it totally is, and I think we're going to talk in the coming weeks specifically about what some of the scoreboards in different departments should indicate. that's not what this conversation's about. This is a more big picture that you, you need to have them. But what I would say to do is you need to go back to your goals, right So if you've got three or five goals for your overall company for the course of the year, Well, okay, what does that mean for the sales team? You're going to need to build a scoreboard or give the sales manager the goals and say, okay, I need you to come up, based on where I'm trying to go, I need you to come up with three to four sales goals and build a scoreboard so your team knows if they're winning or losing. It's really important. You know, what I think about is people want to be a part of a winning team. And when there's a scoreboard, they know if they're winning or losing. And it also makes it to where you as a leader can evaluate and reward people based on their performance. So you're not making a a gut judgment call. I remember years and years ago, I worked for a different company and it came time for a performance review and I was really excited about it. And I came in to get the review and it was super clear that my boss had totally forgotten about it. They had not done any preparation. And when I came in, they tried to act like they had. And they happened to be in a bad mood and the performance review was just totally emotional. It had nothing to do with metrics or performance or anything. It just had to do with how they felt that morning. And I think that if you want to build a business that lasts, that's why this is a leadership conversation, building scoreboards for your departments or if you're a small company, the individual team members that are the you know maybe the only one or two people in those departments is an incredibly valuable way to set yourself up for growth and prosperity and buy-in.
1: One hundred percent. You said something earlier about winning and I couldn't agree more. I think people want to be a part of a winning culture, a winning team. Uh, We talked about how they don't leave for money. They leave because they don't, they're not winning enough. And it's because we don't have expectations. It's because we're afraid to hold them accountable. And what's amazing with what comes with a scoreboard is ultimate accountability. Therefore, you're, you're doing two things. You're doing two things. You're winning, which is amazing. And you're asking yourself why. Or you're losing, or as we refer to it as learning, and asking yeah. yourself why. And it's an amazing tool. Uh, and, and if again, speaking to a culture, once you have a scoreboard, once you know, you have, you have employees winning in each and every one of our companies yes. right now. If they don't know it, no. that's not good. They're going to look for a company that is going to award, reward them for winning. And, and set it up. So not on a date, not on a yearly basis, on a Dude, daily basis, yeah. your employees want to win on a daily basis. And a scoreboard hol- ultimately holds them accountable, which is great for you as a leader, but man develops that person creates a culture of winning or learning. And man, you just can't get any. Prosperous oh yeah. And than especially that.
0: if you comp or bonus based on scoreboard performance, man, it is like uh, putting gas on a fire. It's just awesome.
1: I want to tell you a little story. So yesterday I had a service meeting and I had a gentleman, I have three service uh, uh, people and it's starting to uh, get a little bit warmer a little bit earlier. So service is starting to slow down. And uh, services was one of our first departments to do key performance indicators. And it was a night and day difference. Service being the servicing business of customers having a problem when you call them and not always being in the best moods of it is a tough department to keep the culture positive on. I can't tell you the night and day difference that these scoreboards have created. My service techs can't wait to get to the meetings on a weekly basis, but this one example will kind of tell you how powerful a scoreboard can be. I had a gentleman who was sick for the five days last week. He was here on Friday and he got here and he was still not feeling the best, but he did not want to let the team down. And there was three services that we just couldn't get covered. And so he came in and he did them. Not only did he do them, he was motivated to do his best job he had 100% proposal rate and we only propose when something that has been checked out on the the fireplace or whatever it is we're servicing uh, is in the replacement threshold of what we tested it, but he proposed hundred percent he had the the tools or the parts on the truck and he did repairs on the same trip. He revenued over fourteen hundred dollars had a hundred percent proposal rate, and average was like four four seventy four per service okay that's all great. He came in super excited to talk <laughs> about it. He came in just ranting and raving about his three services and how he killed it on his three services grant. And he gave me a, a, a fist and he was like, this is, I, I killed it on Friday. And he goes, and you know what I learned? Cause I pushed myself. He goes, I learned that it's all about timing. And all of a sudden he was educating my other service techs on how he proposes repairs in an elegant, methodical and professional way. And it just, it was like, I was almost getting emotional and, and because here I am, being educated by my service technician and him educating our other guys based on us just holding a metric. And, and if he was That's sick it.
0: four of the five days that week, I'm sure that he had the motivation of looking at the scoreboard and thinking, man, if I'm gone four of the five days, my revenue is going to be down. Like, what can I do to maximize the one day I'm in here?
1: 100%. It was all going to be on a scoreboard here on two or Wednesday when we meet in the morning. And he wanted to make sure his numbers were looking good, <laughs> even if he was going to be there one day that is amazing okay so you guys heard it here
0: if you want to grow yourself as a leader or create a leadership department in your company number one it starts with goals number two create a leader's dashboard number three invest in one-on-one coaching number four communicate effectively with your team members and number five create team scoreboards grant awesome awesome conversation i can't wait for next week but thanks for stopping by today Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Grant Falco about building out a leadership department. Honestly, that's the foundation of everything. And I can't wait to jump into the other seven departments. But before we finish the episode, I'd like to circle back and kind of talk about the heart of leadership. We touched on this in the conversation, but I believe at the heart of leadership is setting expectations. When we talk about goal setting having a dashboard, providing coaching for your team members, communicating effectively, and having a team scoreboard, that is all communicating expectations. Now, actually, this morning in the Firetime Network, I posted a short video, and it was about how expectations are one of the most often missed pieces of business. And like we said in the conversation, if you haven't communicated expectations to your team members, how on earth can they rise to the occasion and perform? It just doesn't work. It's what everything comes down to. I think in today's moment, we have to be a leader that people are willing to follow. There's a lot of bad leaders out there right now. And we need to be somebody that is there for our team, that's investing in them to help them grow. And Grant mentioned that being a leader is hard because you have to both inspire your team and be holding them accountable at the same time. And the things that we talked about in this conversation are ways to do that. Now, throughout the rest of these episodes, we're going to dive deep into a lot of other areas of the business, but all of it is anchored in the principles of this leadership department. So maybe for you at the beginning now, the leadership department is just you. That's fine. But It's not another realm of possibility in five years to think there could be four people on the leadership team and your job is to lead the leaders. That will never, ever happen, though, if you do not execute the steps that we talked about today. If you don't have written goals, if you don't communicate those to your team members effectively, if you don't have a dashboard, if you're not investing in coaching your team members with scoreboards of how they're performing you will never be able to grow your business to where you get off the treadmill. So our hope for this conversation is that this gives you tools that you can put into play right away to start changing the way that your business is run. Now's the time to do it. Now, for anybody listening to this that wants to support the podcast financially, you can go to patreon.com slash itsfiretime and contribute whatever amount you want. That's patreon.com slash itsfiretime. It's Firetime. There's a link in the show notes. Your support financially is huge, and this helps us outsource some of the administrative work of the podcast so that we can continue to deliver the highest quality of content season after season. Now, like I said at the beginning of the episode, there's going to be questions, and I'd encourage you to send them to us via email. Now, my email address is tim at itsfiretime.com. That's tim at it's firetime.com. And the last episode of this season is going to be a Q&A episode where we dive deep into this. So as we close out here today, my hope for you is that you can take something you've heard in this podcast and put it into action this week. And I can't wait for next week's conversation, which is on a topic very close to my heart, which is about the sales department. So until then, I hope you guys have an amazing rest of the week. Go and be a blessing to the people that work with you. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time.